Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's a big question with a lot of human interest uh, and at the moment there aren't uh, too many viable answers it seems. Will there be, will there be another Commonwealth Games? So when Dan Andrews, the Victorian Premier, dropped the bombshell of Victoria pulling pin on their 2026 hosting the event a few weeks back, it sent shockwaves through the sporting landscape. Upon further investigation, it seems not just Victoria is willing to take the burden on. Uh, It is uh, now... Uh, the government of Alberta, the only confirmed potential bidder left for 2030, uh, have halted its attempt to bring the event to Canada's cities in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, Justin Nelson, well known to us here on uh, SENZ, is head of commercial and fandom at Sky Sport. You uh, also know him, of course, as host of Hoopheads, uh, and he's been doing a lot of commentary too, uh, particularly in uh, the uh, Tauihi competition, which is uh, up and running as well. And it's uh, great to talk to Justin this morning. Um, good morning, Justin. And I just uh, my first question to you, I guess, looking at um, uh, the Football World Cup, are there lessons to be learned out of fandom, fan experience from what FIFA have been putting on? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. It's a, it's a really good question to open up with because I've been watching on uh, religiously and taking great notice of the, the fans. And, you know, they're certainly flocking to the games across New Zealand and, and Australia. And, and what we're seeing is a really heightened level of fandom. Um, it's probably built around a couple of things. One is uh, you've, you've got the patriotic fandom, which is when people get behind their country. You know, they fly in, they follow them around. It's a big event. It's a global event. And that patriotism really comes out in a major, major way. So we're seeing that, but we're also seeing what could go down as um, a a moment of fandom where you want to be a part of an event, that that nostalgic piece where you look back in future years and you're able to say, hey, I was there. I was at Eden Park. I was at Sky Stadium. I was at the MCG, wherever it may be, where these games are being played. But it's that opportunity to look back in future years and uh, put it down as a notch on the belt as a fan, as a sports fan, to say I was there. And I think we're seeing the, that sort of fandom come out in a big, big way. Yeah, uh, what, I, what I've liked too is um, particularly when you look at an event like that, you, you think, uh, what about the future of the sport? And, and I look at the crowds, I look at the demographic, and I'm seeing a, a good thing there in terms of age groups and some of these games are being played at uh, quite li- quite late at night particularly in Australia Justin there, there doesn't seem to be any detraction there uh, and also of course I, I imagine that's uh, governed a lot by price is it? Well it's sense of occasion more than anything else isn't it? I mean I think parents are willing to give some leniency to their young ones by taking them to such a big event, a global event that's being seen around the world and isn't necessarily involving you know, city against city or team against team in a competition. It's actually nation against nation. And, uh, you know, for that one moment of sleeping in the next day or missing the next day of school or even work for that matter, I think the sense of occasion really takes over. So timing really doesn't matter. If it is a a Mm. 7pm or an 8pm game, sense of occasion takes over.
Right, okay. Well, uh, let's uh, look at um, sense of occasion. And the Commonwealth Games used to be a massive uh, occasion for us in particular. Um, great for the Silver Fern, the Black Singlet, uh, over the years. But uh, it looks to be, from the outside looking in, um, under threat for its uh, immediate, if not distant, future. Well, I think it is under threat. I mean, any time you have a city, you know, a couple of years out or thereabouts, pull the pin. And for me personally, I mean, those those who know me know that I'm Melbourne-born and bred. I'm a Victorian, and we're born into sport. Sport's a part of our culture. It, it's a religious state for us. And I was gutted. You know, when I heard that news come across, uh, I thought it was a joke at first. I, I was really, really surprised. And my mind immediately turned to the people of Melbourne and Victoria, not so much the athletes. And, and you know, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a huge occasion for athletes and a massive opportunity for them to compete uh, in such a big event. But I immediately felt for the people of Victoria and Melbourne, just knowing that they would be bleeding, their hearts ripped out at losing such a prestigious event. And then obviously it's unfolded, money, infrastructure, all of those sorts of things. And, yep, it's uh, it's really disappointing. But, you know, I immediately in these situations start thinking about solutions. And I think there's a solution to not only save the Commonwealth Games, but to make it even bigger and better than we've ever seen before. Right. Um, OK. Uh, I, I, I'll get to that. I, I really, We're really uh, very interested in your proposal, was it optimistic to think that uh, they could send it regionally rather than have it Melbourne-based? Uh, in a sense, yes, but thinking of the regions, and again, I take myself back back to growing up uh, through Melbourne and, and Victoria. I mean, Bendigo and Ballarat and Geelong and, and, and Gippsland, these are big, big places. These are big regions. They're not small towns. Uh, they're very big in their own right with good facilities uh, good infrastructure, good hotels, um, the ability to bring people in and out. And, you know, f- for the bulk of them, they're sort of within two hours from Melbourne. So it was an adventurous uh, idea, but certainly not one without merit. Right, OK. Um, what what are you seeing as a, as a viable option then? Well, I think w- w- what has told us through the, the Melbourne situation and even looking forward to 2030 is cost is a problem. It's clearly a situation where, uh, despite how good the facilities may be uh, in a city, more infrastructure is needed, athlete villages, um, more venues, uh, transportation, the ability to, to, to bring through mass people. And that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to attend all sports. There'll be big sports and there'll be smaller sports because a country may have an interest in three or four sports but may not have an interest in three or four others. I think the Commonwealth Games need to take a step back and have a look at how it can bring the people together, the fans together, in a more meaningful way. Technology today allows us to beam vision around the world, satellites, you know, everything is there for us to be able to take live action to people sitting on their couch at home. Let's say we pick 20 sports for every Commonwealth Games. And instead of playing 20 sports in one Commonwealth city, how about we play 20 sports in 20 Commonwealth cities around the world? So 24-hour rolling coverage of Commonwealth Games for 10 to 12 days every four years where countries or cities are hosting one sport each. The entire city can get behind that sport 
fandom can go through the roof, commerciality can go through the roof, and it's cost-effective because we're sharing the costs, we're sharing the load, we're using infrastructure that's already there. That's interesting. So you'd suggest uh, on that basis and just breaking it down, say, for instance, uh, London would have uh, track and field, um, um, Glasgow might have uh, cycling, New Zealand might have um, a, a sailing or water sports content. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah, correct. I mean, Australia might have swimming. So these countries, these cities identify a sport that means something to their nation and to their people. And that is going to attract interest. You will see whole cities get behind their country or their city hosting uh, a sport, an event that means the most to them. I think what it also does, Smithy, an idea like this, is it allows more of the Commonwealth countries and the Commonwealth cities to get behind and involved in the Commonwealth Games. We could see smaller countries, smaller cities hosting weightlifting or hosting boxing or some of these other events uh, that they have uh, a powerful reputation and history in at competing at the Commonwealth Games, but they can never, ever stage an event like that purely because of cost and infrastructure across 20 sports as opposed to the one sport that they're really good at. And then uh, every country would, uh, in terms of television, be the, the host broadcasters. Is that how you, you would see it? Well, I think that's the sort of stuff that you need to sit down and, and work out. But I think today's technology and, and how we live our lives and how we consume what we see on TV and other devices, I really don't think that's a stumbling block. The infrastructure is there globally uh, for broadcast to be taken right around the world. I just know as a sports fan, I'd love to sit in and around the TV, off my phone, off my devices, 24 hours a day, try and get some sleep over the space of 12 days. But just jumping from country to country to country, watching live sport would be amazing. Have you uh, sat down and discussed this with anyone at this point, or is this uh, just straight on Justin Nelson at the moment? Uh, no, look, it just came up as, as, as an idea in my head when I was wallowing in the demise of, of Victoria, uh, pulling out of the Commonwealth Games. Um, these are moments and opportunities when, you know, you take a glass half full approach and you think about solutions. And, and for me, this one just popped into my head as, as being something that's worth considering. So in terms of um, the host, like a nation like New Zealand, what about the costs of sending athletes in various different directions as opposed just to one particular venue? Yeah, you'd probably have to you know, speak to the authorities as to how much they've spent in the past and, and how that works, um, you know, whether it's a similar cost, whether it's different, whether it's less expensive, I, I don't know. Um, but again, in a situation that we find ourselves in right now with the doubt that surrounds the Commonwealth Games and the future of the Commonwealth Games, it's about finding solutions. And we need to sit down and we need to look at everything. Travel, accommodation, venues, how we put it together, broadcast. We need to think differently. And I think that something like this is a way of doing it differently. Well, I've got a texter from Carl saying, I think that's a brilliant idea for the Commonwealth Games. So you've got one supporter right from the get-go here. Uh, Justin, I, I wonder how quickly, if just say uh, you could get this rolling along, how quickly... Would it be quick enough to save uh, the next edition of the Games or would you say it might take, with facilities, etc., 
you know, four to six years to put in progress? I've got no doubt if the Commonwealth Games uh, authorities went out to the Commonwealth Nations tomorrow with a new concept, a new innovation like this, that says we're now looking for 20 hosts of 20 different sporting events and this is the way we're going forward. I think the nations and the cities would jump out of their skin to pick a sport that means something to their people, to pick a sport that they know is going to attract a lot of fandom in their country, and I think they would be jumping all over themselves to go out there and bring a sport for the Commonwealth Games to their nation and to their people. Yeah, um, well, I can see a lot of uh, upside to that. There's a lot of home advantage for athletes in front of their own fans, etc. And then, of course, there's still the lure of being able to, to travel and uh, go overseas and uh, be in a village with other athletes, which is also uh, half, the, uh, half the appeal. So, hey, uh, Justin, looking forward to seeing how much of this could come to fruition. And uh, the Justin Nelson theory might, uh, might end up being a beauty. Uh, you've been very busy, uh, of course, with uh, Tauihi basketball. Uh, well and truly underway. Have you been uh, uh, suitably impressed with the standard, etc., as uh, we're still sort of in its infancy stage, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Second year of, of Toihi, and you know the level's gone up again. It, it's been quite extraordinary to see the change from year one to year two of this new pro women's league. Nine WNBA players are, are running around. There's a lot of tall ferns running around, and the level has certainly been exceptional. A lot of fun to watch, a lot of highlights. It's, it's elite-level talent. But I think importantly with the introduction of the new Rapid League, we're seeing a lot of rising Kiwis coming through. And I've got to tell you, there is some exciting talent out there. Basketball uh, for the Wahine is in a very, very safe place going forward. Uh, We're going to see a lot of these players uh, making their name internationally over the next decade or two. Good start to the season for the Southern Hoiho, a little bit like uh, their uh, their brothers did. The Otago Nuggets uh, got out of the blocks quickly. Yeah, really good, isn't it? I mean, they struggled in season number one, but they've got great ownership. As you know, they're very, very smart people with the way they set up sports franchises and, and run their business. And we've seen them capitalise on that administrative strength and, uh, gee, they've hit the ground running in the first half of the season. Some exceptional players, a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I think they're going to be right there at the business end. And, of course, uh, basketball heading into a, another NBA season, but uh, from our point of view, uh, and the breakers, of course, not too far away, but um, the next big thing on the agenda, we're now uh, just 19 days away from the uh, Tall Ferns against the USA and Philippines, uh, game one for us of uh, the FIBA World Champs. Yeah, exciting. The Tall Blacks are currently overseas and, and uh, playing some prep games. I like the mix of the team. There's some new faces, some, some rising stars, some, some really good young talent that Perro Cameron has, has selected and taken with him. And I think this is a team that's going to go to the World Cup and just have a fair income crack. I, I just think they're going to throw the kitchen sink uh, at the likes of the US and, and, and Greece, obviously. And I think this is a team that the nation can get behind. They're going to leave no stone unturned and uh, they're just going to go out there and play, certainly with some structure, but I think a fair bit of uh, reckless abandon as well, and and I like that. Justin, absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, I love your ideas. I really do about the Commonwealth Games, and I'm telling you, we've had uh, three, four, five texts ready, bang, 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 uh, just saying how brilliant and simple that... that, uh, that concept seems to be so uh, we'll just see how uh, that catches hold great to have you on the show this morning uh, travel well and keep up the great work in the basketball too man hey thank you mate always great to talk